You've never heard of Henry Lee Lucas before. Okay, so Henry Lee Lucas was a serial killer that operated uh, across the country, but mostly in Florida and Texas um, in the 70s. And uh, there was a book written about him by Max Call um, called The Hand of Death. And uh, during Lucas's time in prison, he confessed to over 3,000 murders. Uh, there's only physical evidence Legit. For, for three, <laughs> but I mean, uh, this is a bad gentleman. Hand of Death is the name of a satanic organization that he claimed he was, and his six foot five homosexual partner who also participated in all these killings named Otis Tool. Uh, they claimed that they were a part of a satanic organization called the Hand of Death. And uh, there's this moment um, that Lucas talks about in The Hand of Death um, by Max Call where he's driving to California in a stolen car because he was a drifter. He just like stole cars. This is right after he killed his 15-year-old child bride. And he had cocaine, acid, and PCP in the trunk of his car. And he's driving down the highway in the middle of the desert and on this campaign of fear and loathing. And he leans out the window and just screams, I belong to the devil. And that is the exact same level of confidence that Mitch McConnell has when he said, no action is not an alternative to a group of GOP supporters in Glasgow, Kentucky this week. Uh, after the CBO gave the Senate uh, health care bill a... Uh, rating that says that it would take insurance away from 22 million people. It's the exact same level of confidence. I'm very proud of Mr. McConnell. Well, and let's be honest, like 3,000 confessed murders, 22 million murders with healthcare, like that's Mitch, that's what a turtle does in his free time. He's a very strong turtle. And he's also a great, great evil. And I'm proud of him and all that he does. <laughs> <laughs> Many months has come and gone since I wandered from my home In those Oklahoma hills where I was born Many a page of life has turned, many a lesson I have learned. Well, I feel like in those hills I still belong. Way down yonder in the Indian Nation, ride my pony on the reservation in those Oklahoma hills where I was born. Now way down yonder in the Indian Nation, the cowboy's life is my occupation in those Oklahoma hills where I was born. I'm Adam Burnett, and I'm Carl Roberts, and this is Red Star over Oklahoma. Uh, we're a small political podcast and news podcast broadcasting about left politics in Oklahoma. Um, do you have anything you want to add to that little intro, buddy? Yeah, I mean, we're. I, I think it's important to remember that left Oklahoma is something we're also trying to make at the same time when we broadcast this show since left Oklahoma is something that Republicans kind of killed off a long time ago. So we're trying, we're trying to bring it back. 
Yeah, and, 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 and I think that goes right into kind of part of the reasoning behind, you know, why we wanted to do this. Um, and you know, we've had some conversations recently and in the last, you know, two years. We've, all, we've both been political-minded, you know, most of our lives. Um, but, you know, in, especially with the last election, um, I think especially Oklahoma being one of the states that primaried for Bernie – um, I think it speaks to the fact that this is a uh, home in one of the places where socialism and some of left politics have a history in the U.S. and uh, the textbooks and uh, the Republicans and the people who live here would love to forget that. But this is the state of Woody Guthrie and the India Homa Farmers Association and, and the um, Green Corn Rebellion. Yeah, it did. It, it has been a, uh, you know, we have a history of socialism here. And I think in the last election, uh, Oklahoma showed that uh, both the young population, the kind of millennials as they were, uh, and, you know, our generation, and even some of the older, I mean, I've met a lot of older folks who are in Oklahoma who uh, voted for Bernie as well. And I feel they still seem very supportive. Um and I think there's kind of this, you know, stretch because we have these very staunch Republicans in office and the few Democrats are kind of just Dixiecrats. They're, they're, they yeah. don't advocate the hard social, you know, the, yeah. like the, the, the social... I mean, the, the, the Democratic Party of the state, like, literally says it's not left wing or that it's a left party. They, they say it's a centrist party. They're like, we're not any kind of left. And that's just, I mean, it's not representative on the ground of, of what Oklahoma needs and it's not representative of, you know, we, we went like five points for Bernie or something, you know, like we're, it's here, there are people like this, and those people aren't getting proper representation in the state at the moment. Yeah, and I think Oklahoma as kind of this bastion of republicanism, and uh, in, in recent years that has just kind of turned to this weird, not capitalist uh, regulation, deregulation of promo the promotion of big business at the expense of everyone except big, big business. And it's created, you know, massive problems across Oklahoma um, that I think can be addressed first and foremost by adopting some policies and having some interesting conversations that aren't just immediately outlawed be, or outruled outlawed communism is illegal in Oklahoma, but yeah. they are not just immediately outruled because of the words used to describe them words. You know, we have a first amendment because words are powerful, but we also have a first amendment because they should be allowed. We have to be a right. Used. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, you know, it really is important to have this kind of conversation, I think in Oklahoma, because we are so, you know, we are so behind other parts of the country in ways that, you know, should be solved. That we other places have solved in ways that could be solved, you know, in ways that are, are more left wing than anything that's going on in the States. And, you know, like like the the terrible poverty we have in the state, the the amount of the fact that like eighty percent of our bridges are like might collapse today. Like things like that are things that have to be addressed by some kind of redistribution of wealth. There's no, there's no real way around it if if you care about Oklahoma and if you care about the lives of Oklahomans. But, and I, I think one, you bring up a really great point about the 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 bridges. I I drive a lot in Oklahoma. I drive from um, Pryor into Tulsa um, a lot, and it just blows me away. You can tell where the tax money is. 
You can tell where the rich houses are because the roads are paved. And you can tell where the poor are and where the shitty taxes are because uh, those roads just not paved. It It, it yeah. is amazing. Um, I mean, it, it's even it, it's true in the cities, too. You know, if like when I grew up on Brookside in Tulsa, you know, Brookside's always been a relatively nice street. And then just driving up to Washington for high school, like you watch it, you the roads get worse as you as you head further north, as you go deeper into poorer parts of town. And I mean, Tulsa, of course, is just like whoever builds the roads in Tulsa knows that if you build them shitty, you'll get the job again next year. But like it's it's really impressive how much worse they get when you go into poor neighborhoods. Yeah. And, and I think one of the things you said, um, you said, you know, this is something that can really be addressed by a redistribution of wealth. And I, it, it's, while that is exactly what needs to happen, it's not some crazy highfalutin idea. It's just like, um, maybe we shouldn't allow big business to have as many tack breaks as they want and treat oil like it's not a resource. Uh, I, yeah. I had, I had messaged you uh, a few months ago when I was in Oklahoma city, we were in a, um, more poverty stricken area and it was driving around, um, doing some stuff. And I just saw it was section 80 housing just crammed together and you could tell it'd been mishmashedly built <laughs> And that, you know, I could just envision different contractors and it all kind of not looking the same and being mashed together. And it was all circled around this very dense housing population was all circled around an oil well. It's like this vast natural resource. This is, I mean, I mean, an incredible natural resource. I mean, petrol, oil, fuels, everything on this planet. And yet they have no access not only to that resource, but even though that they are near it physically and it is literally in their backyard, they reap no benefit in a tax way from that. And I think that that's important because when you're subjecting people to that kind of just nearness to dangerous machinery and they have yeah. no recourse in receiving anything from a tax benefit, you're not, you're just concentrating wealth. You're not ever distributing it. Yeah. You know, the economy isn't working. They have to, they have to live with the loud machine. They have to live with the, the bad smells. They have to live with the machine. It's not going to get cleaned up whenever the well runs out. <clears throat> Their kids have to live with it. And that kill, you know, that's a big problem in Oklahoma. That kills kids that oil companies don't clean up after themselves. And that was a big deal in the 90s that we finally were able to force them to have to do that sometimes. And, you know, it's, it's a form of violence that those people are, are living near that kind of wealth and get to suffer from all of the bad things that go along with it and don't get any of the benefits. It's a form of violence. And, it, and that's wrong. It is. Well, let's move on to uh, this week in national news, I guess, is where we're going to start. Um, the very first thing on our list is, of course, uh, North Korea's debuted their weakened hit Alaska missile. And um, I, 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 North Korea has been something that has sat on my mind for a long time because I think that there's a really interesting conversation, not just in being able to say, like, uh, all the jokes we make about Kim Jong-un and his wonderful little haircut 
and everything else are kind of passe because he's in charge of the most oppressive and dangerous and humanitarian uh, disaster uh, regime. On the planet. On the planet. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, so I can remember, um, I think it was April 15th of this year. I meant to look up the date. Um, But there was a point this year where Un evacuated 600,000 people from the capital Pyongyang. And the reasoning was was that there wasn't enough room in the uh, like I don't I don't remember the exact numbers I think they had t- I think they either had three point one million or two and a half million and they only had enough room in the bunkers that would withstand a nuclear blast for either one point nine or two point five million people I don't remember but anyway they Unimportant. sent six hundred thousand people into the desert just exiled. And I can just remember that evening reading that and just thinking, you know, those people are out there dying and that is, you know, this massive humanitarian disaster. And now not only are they nuclear armed, but they they can hit Alaska. Yeah, which is really crazy because the whole time it's been, you know... Ooh, look at this little guy. He's going to do some bad things. We'll have to give him some money and we're not really threatened. But uh, I was reading something about it. And I think some American intelligence people, you know, and of course you have to take anything these these idiots say with a, a grain of salt. Um, but they were like, you know, in probably about five years, uh, North Korea will be able to hit the mainland. And there's not, you know, there's not a good solution to that. But I don't think North Korea is going to nuke America. I don't think that's going to happen. But I think there's a very real threat that, you know, America would do some things and North Korea would do some things. And there's a certain kind of fatalism to how we and they as countries act on the international scale. That's really, really dangerous. (laughs) I mean, like I remember they in, I think, 2014 or something, some map came out where they were like, here, here's where we would nuke America. And they, like, didn't know that the nukes don't go in a straight line from North Korea to America. Like, they didn't have that technology yet of, like, arcs, curved lines. But, like, that doesn't change the fact that they might still be able to nuke places, <laughs> which is kind of crazy. And, I mean, so you know. So one mm-hmm. of the things, so uh, uh, there's a New York Times article about, uh, with the title, uh, Kim Jong-un is not a freakish buffoon. This was written by David Kang, came out uh, the 5th. Uh, but one of the things he talks about in this is that, um, I'll just read it, but nuclear weapons are almost useless for coercion, but they are great for deterrence. And what he's talking mm-hmm. about is that there is this kind of pressure. Uh, A nuclear weapon essentially says like, okay, we have a last resort option. Um, You know, if you try and overthrow our regime, like we'll just throw a nuclear weapon at whatever we can throw it at. Um, And like, I understand that like, there is this like ability of a regime, but then like you think about like with that, the goal for so many people, especially I think at a a federal level, it's humanitarian intervention. We want to go in and help this terrible crisis that is going on um, and these lives that are being lost. And what what the, the problem, though, is, is that 
when you have that problem of humanitarian intervention where you're saying, okay, we need to go in and help these people, but they have a nuclear weapon. You're forgetting the entire dialectic on the other side, which is, should we really be involved with like going over and fighting another Korean war? Like we already did this once in the fifties and like, there's a lot of critiques to be had about, I mean, and in the in the fifties, we killed 20% of the population of, of Korea. Like it was not, it was not a good no matter how good it is that that the Kim family doesn't rule South Korea too, like you know, there was also a brutal dictatorship up through the seventies in South Korea, um, and I mean, if if you look at the history of American interventionism, like there's not a reason to really think that things turn out well. I, I think there are plenty of people living in Mosul today that would say, uh, you know, would have been a lot better if Saddam had stuck around and you all hadn't invaded. And well, that's that's the intelligence agencies in the U.S.'s fault. You just got to listen to old Donnie T. He knows the truth. They got I mean, the crazy destruction wrong. What else could they have gotten wrong? Yeah. And to, to go in with that kind of thing where it seems like there's a stance that the, the intelligence community, which is a term that's idiotic. Deep state. Um, but yeah, the, essentially, yeah, the intelligence deep state like has you know, these structural, like, goals that are independent of the individuals in it. And one of those is getting rid of North Korea. And while that's a good thing, like, when these people want to get rid of certain, you know, dictators, like, it doesn't turn out better. Uh, it, not been a time yet where we can say it, it, it's better that we did that. Well, and I maybe. Slavia, but, but maybe not. Yeah, and, and I mean... Of course, there's a wonderful tradition in South America to discuss of uh, pushing out democratically elected uh, leaders to instill other governments, but not even on a like not even on a lower level. But I mean, you know, just you could look at Vietnam and Korea and the Gulf Wars and Iraq. When you create a vacuum of power, someone fills it, and you know, handpicking it. Who fills that vacuum from an ocean away is never going to result in um, a lasting peace. I mean, the, the history of Vietnam is a really great place to think about that. And I mean, even Korea, uh, South Korea, didn't they have a pretty big mix up with their political leadership earlier this year? Yeah, they ousted the president. They elected a new one who's more left-wing, who's like, you know, we need to be less militaristic towards the North. Because, like, another part of this that, like, we so often forget, you know, if part of part of the threat of this missile is that the North Korean military could target American bases in Japan and kill Americans. And that's how it's getting treated in the news, is that, oh, no, they could kill these Americans. Oh, no, they can hit Alaska now and kill some Americans. What we ignore is that Seoul, the capital of South Korea, is really close to the demilitarized zone. And if there's a war, like, you know, at least a couple thousand, if not like tens or hundreds of thousands of South Korean people are going to die in in that first, you know, 30 minutes to, to five hours of any kind of conflict. Because North Korea is going to turn that city into rubble. And that city has, you know, about 25 million residents it's one of the biggest cities in the world and if there's a war like all of these south koreans die 
and that that's something you know a ton of North Koreans are going to die too, and America doesn't have to deal with that. That's not our problem, and that's how it gets treated, and that's really really fucked up because like I don't want to see that many people die. No matter how bad North Korea is, the fact that there's essentially this sac- sacrificial offering that has to happen to get him out of power is just something that people don't don't seem to care about in in American politics, and, and it's even, it's it's disgusting. And not even the, just the sacrificialness of it. But I'm I'm always very impressed um, by after whatever happens because there's always an after. I mean, if there's four people left on the Korean Peninsula, there's going to be four people dealing with the aftermath. And the U.S. doesn't go back in after something like that and build roads, wells, hospitals, and and schools. It's why Al-Qaeda and, frankly, ISIS have had such... um, I mean, not necessarily ISIS. I think Al-Qaeda is a better example because when you destabilize the region and you take a lot of the infrastructure out of there, someone replaces it. And whoever that person who replaces it is has the allegiance of the local The people population. they help. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And... ISIS is a little different because they just kind of jumped on an infrastructure and were given a lot of weapons by the U.S. military, but and the Russians and Syrians, but I mean by by everybody. Yeah, I mean it just helps to arm arm insurgents. That's been the goal of most foreign policies since like what 1938. When did we start selling weapons? First World War. Yeah, First World War, we were already saying, we want to sell guns to uh, both people. Good business opportunity. Trench warfare. Um. Uh, but I think that, I mean, that kind of wraps it up on North Korea. It's a, a massive humanitarian crisis. Uh, but at the same time, there are third and fourth level consequences that have to be measured. Have to be discussed whenever yeah. we talk about this. That people don't want to talk about. People think the U.S. military could just ride in and save the day and really just aren't willing to look outside their own damn country and see what, what that has meant in the 21st century. Exactly. So the G20 is going on this week. And yeah, here, over, over here across the pond. Yeah. Very sad yeah. I couldn't be there. Uh, yeah. all, all praises to our boys in black, burning, burning <laughs> cars and, and trash cans. Keep it up. Good job, guys. Hamburg's doing well. I've seen some good pictures of people getting sprayed with water hoses. Looks like a party. Someone needs to get some beach balls. Um, yeah, so like I saw something with the, the German water cannon cars, and it, it looks like a, a damn transformer, right? Like they picked the most idiotic thing for this car to look like like somebody had like pasted optimus crime on the front of it pretty good can recommend so i wanted to take a minute just because this is also something i had to look up is i wanted to ex- explain exactly what the g20 is um are, are, i mean this, you're, you're aware of what it, yeah yeah this, yeah okay so yeah uh, it is the eu it is it is a group of 20 countries not actually 20 countries which is the fun 19 countries about. Yeah. And the European Union. Um, and so um, the G20 is essentially like a big, like, you know, they have it at like, you know, the international version of like a Hotel Marriott and all of the uh, world leaders just get together and, you know, click clack loudly with, you know, 
lizards and greys and Nordics and yeah. Nazis come out of the center of the earth and take their view. And from the moon, don't forget. Well, of course. I mean, the moon is, it's all, you know how the hollow earth works. Yeah. Um, but so uh, I think importantly, <laughs> what a lot of people don't necessarily know is that not only um, are there governments, but there are central banking institutions that come to this event as well. Um, lizards, scaly reptiles, generally these kind of terrible, terrible agents of destruction. Um, hey, you're, but, you're, you're Christi- Christian Lagards who are like, well, the only way your economy will work is, is if the poors die. So let's, let's get to starving them, those kinds of people. So collectively, the G20, uh, the economies of the G20 group uh, are about 85% of the gross world product, GWP, which is, I looked that statistic up and I was a little like, GWP? Who are we, who, who, yeah. ex, who exports the gross world product? But... <laughs> Uh, and they have about 80% of the world trade, um, 75, 75% yeah, if you cut out internal. Yeah. Um, yeah. And two-thirds of the world populations. And I thought I'd run through the list, that, or the list of uh, – so wonderful Angie Merkel is uh, the chairperson this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I'd run through the countries Me- that are involved just because there are some outliers in this list that are fun. Um, you got Argentina, Australia, Brazil, Canada, France, Germany, Italy, uh, the EU. So you kind of have those, uh, you know, smaller countries, your, your Slovenia's and so on. Mm -hmm. Um, South Korea, Mexico. And then we get to the fun, which is China. I mean, it's just such a large economy that of course the lizards have to click clack together. Uh, Mm -hmm. China. India, Indonesia, Japan, Russia, the Saudis, South Africa, Turkey, UK, US. And, uh, I mean, th- there's a lot of NATO in there as well. Um, I mean, a ton of NATO in there, very importantly. Um, but at the same time, there's there's people who are diametrically opposed <laughs> to NATO. Yeah. Uh, you, you, there's kind of this balance with Turkey, um, you know, being a dictator, a full-fledged dictatorship now, um, and Russia, uh, the, the, the cry, the war crimes being committed in the Ukraine. I mean, these are affronts to NATO and all these people are pretending like they can sit at the table together. Yeah. Yeah. And Russia's literally not in the G8, the, the, the like more exclusive club. Of the G's, which why is it G G group of very stupid? Russia's out of the G eight now. It's the G seven because of of the annexation of Crimea. Yeah. So like this is the one place Russia gets to be on the table anymore. So um, start stateside. Old Donny T he headed out and went over to Warsaw, which you know things go well when Americans go to Poland. Um, and so the very first, he, he has a uh, press conference in Warsaw, and one of the first things he gets asked about is the Russian meddling in the U.S. election. And I am so sick of hearing about this. It's the Democrats refusing to... It, except that they ran, votes. like, a crappy-ass candidate. Yeah. Like, it, they're, they're just refusing to, to admit that they lost. But at the same time... There, I mean, we were both on the parts of the internet targeted by Russian influence. 
during the election. And I mean, there's there's proof. I, I mean, I saw the propaganda get moved through Reddit, 4chan, and all the other terrible parts of the internet. And, you know, it, I mean, there's there's nothing to say but that there was a cyber attack committed. So Trump gets asked about this in you're in Warsaw, and he goes, "Hey, intelligence agencies, they were wrong before. Weapons of mass destruction, Iraq, never heard of it. All right, so they could be wrong again. Might have been Russia, might have been other people. And I I love that that is the prequel. That's the last thing he did." Before he went to the G20, which the biggest news coming out of that is the meeting. Is that is that they met Putin and Trump met. Yeah. Well, and I think I think I mean, I think it's part of what Trump does. And that is actually really good about him as a politician, because normally, I mean, he does not understand being on message. He does not understand optics, which is another one of those things like intelligence community. Like if we could not use these bullshit words, that'd be great. But he, he doesn't understand all this shit. Right. He doesn't understand how politics is supposed to work. But he gets that when you say, yeah, the intelligence community fucked up in Iraq, like that was a huge deal. There's, there are plenty of Americans that are like, yeah, he's right. And he is right. And that's important. And then he can tack on that thing to the second part, that second part where he's like, so we don't know what's going on. And he can convince people because, yeah, like like the, the sh- what is supposed to convince us in America, like these, these groups of people are – or lizard people that want to make profits for Halliburton. They don't give a shit about truth or caring about us. And it's a good turn to go in and talk to good old Vladdy P. If he yeah. said, you yeah, know, so, I, don't, I don't know if y'all did it. <laughs> so let's just get into old Vladdy P. Uh, so they met, um, and I, I, I've been loving uh, Russia Today's I just I've just been consuming their news alerts and their articles because uh, it's just very good. And one of the things um, I think has been so strange about Donald Trump's presidency is the resurgence of the Nixonian handshake politics. Mm-hmm. Um, and there have been some cool pictures of you know. Donald trying to throw people on the ground and shoving people out of the way because yeah. he knows how important a handshake is. But, well, and then that, that time where Macron like snuck up on him and was like, I practiced. And then he like looked like a total dickhole because he, he did not expect a strong handshake from the French president because I, do, I think he just thinks that French people are mimes. He doesn't know that that's not like what <laughs> French people are. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> just... Like, where's your baguette? I thought you had a beret. Does anyone have a cigarette? Yeah, like, well, shouldn't you be smoking and writing a novel that I will never read because I don't know how to read, despite being the president? So, um, I I really loved um, what Russia Today had to say about um, the interaction between Trump and Putin, and it. And it very so it says it's an honor to be with you. Thank you, and that's what Trump concluded with offering his hand to Putin. And again, after all this handshake politics, I love that Russia today is like. And then he stuck his hand out gratefully and let. It's like that scene in uh, Planet of the Apes 
where the uh, the one disgraced ape holds his hand up and Caesar just barely touches it and then he runs off. It's like that's what it's <laughs> like. And then this is the best part. Uh, so it includes that Donald Trump, after set, after shaking Putin's hand, says thank you in Russian, which like not only on the real level is that just such a diversion from this man who literally said in private confidences that you should grab women by their pussies. Yeah. Um, but... It is directly an invocation to call the gray mothership out of the space uh, <laughs> uh, above Russia. It's just that they're like, oh, Donald Trump spoke Russian? Yeah, we have to land now and we can take the harvest from the Arizona desert. Yeah, we can finally, we can finally, like, because liberal media doesn't understand that the USSR is dead. They're like, now we can finally implement communism in America because Trump said spasiba. And, like, Rachel Maddow will actually say that, like, probably word for word tomorrow or today. Because it's just, like, like, these liberal commentators, like, don't understand that, like, there's a different thing going on now than there was whenever they, like, went to college in the 80s. Like, they're just too dumb to wrap their heads around that. Well, I mean, <clears throat> I think that, that touches on a good point, too, is that this, like, reignition of the Cold War by the Democrats is just... It's it's not, like, so out of left field that I didn't see it coming, but at the same time, it's just so unoriginal. It's like, that's not what's going on, and... when it, it's It's one of these... It's one of these things that they do where they're like, oh, look, we agree so much with Republicans because, like, Republicans and Democrats don't have a distinct foreign policy from each other. They're basically like, where should we bomb? How much should we bomb them? Probably the same amount. Like, Obama was basically like, hmm, it's bad when American soldiers die. Let's expand the drone program. And Bush was like, it, it doesn't matter when American soldiers die. Like, that's the difference between the two parties mm -hmm. whenever it comes to, to that. And so this whole, you know, saber rattling with Russia is is a good thing to them, apparently. Like, Trump, the first time he got called presidential was when fucking Brian Williams, that idiot, liar, was, like, quoting, like, quoting Leonard Cohen on NBC Nightly News being like, look at him, he bombed Syria and was strong against Russia. But, like, he had called fucking Russia before he did that. Like, this is one of those phone calls he and Putin had had. And, like, they meet up and everybody... You know, depending on what you read, one of them is beating the other or something. But it's just so, it's like, can we not try and have normal relations with this country? Like, this country has a massive military, you know. They're, they're just being lizard people together. It's fine. Like, let's not, let's no, not no, drum no, up conflict. Can we, can we move forward on some actual, like, liberal policy making. Like, whatever, how they, however they decide to structure their economy, the Russian economy isn't as large as... Uh, people would like to pretend it is. It's still huge. It's still a massive country, yeah. but it's not as big as people think it is. Yeah, it's not American big. It's not. I'm much more invested in the destruction of the Russian free press, the violence enacted against LGBTQ plus bodies and people in Russian and Soviet in you know Baltic state countries and the oppression of poor people through yeah this pseudo capitalism 
Uh, and and the war in Syria too, where they 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 saved the Assad regime. The Russian military did that. And and one of the things that came out that was good was you know like they're like we can do we can move forward on Syria. And people people don't want that. You know people want this saber rattling bullshit. And people don't want to. People want you know I I really think that there are a number of Americans that don't. On, on a level they don't know about, on a subconscious level, they don't want, like, the situation for gay people, for LGBTQI people in Russia to be better, because then America's not better than Russia anymore, you know? Or, like, they don't want Russia's economy because then America's not better than Russia anymore. And they can't break out of that idea that the two countries are in conflict. And it's, I mean, it kills people. It's killing people. It's another so, one of those things. Yeah, and so not necessarily killing people, I mean, in killing people now, but much more later. Uh, so the private mo- meeting between Putin and Trump uh, occurred during the climate discussions that the G20 were having. And this follows, number one, Theresa May saying that the UK is uh, not going to make climate change a... Um, part of the things that she wanted to bring up uh, in the G20. And then for, you know, Trump and Putin to not go, I mean, you're talking about G20. You know how many people are involved right there and there's 20 on its face. And you've got three of them who are just like, nah, that's fine. Pollution? Ah. Who cares? When also... I mean, like, like Russia, like Russia's economy is based on selling gas to Europe. That's like all it does. And the UK is basically like, well, we voted ourselves into being unimportant now. How do we stop? <laughs> and they can't. They can't. They're gone forever. And like Donald Trump, I think, actually believes that burning coal, like, is what will make America great again. Like, I don't know. I don't know how to turn that into a joke because it's just there's nothing funny there. It's just depressing. So. It, yeah, you're, you're, you're entirely right. I, I really loved that after all of his speeches, um, I can't remember if it's Pittsburgh or Philadelphia, where he was like, oh, we're bringing coal jobs back. And then... Yeah, the it was city, Pittsburgh, yeah. It was Pittsburgh. Uh, and then the city was like, well, we're actually going to stick to a, the commitments we made to the Paris Climate Accord, whether or not you're involved. <laughs> um, but... Um, the big thing that came out, so, um, Trump and Putin, you know, after they got done drawing the pentagram on the ground, invoking the demons, uh, talking through what technology they were getting from the greys and getting the reptilians back established in the plasma deep below the earth, um, they agreed to a ceasefire in Syria. It goes in on Sunday, noon, Damascus time. Uh, Jordan and Israel, which, you know, we just have to include Israel because... Um, Israel's occupying a part of Syria. <laughs> Literally. Uh, well, I just, I just love a nuclear-armed secular state. It's great. It's strong and not rash at all. They do nice things and um, outlawing hospitals in the Gaza Strip is just a political decision. 
and that's yeah, all. They, uh, you shouldn't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, they, they they outlaw hospitals in the Gaza Strip, and then in the part of Syria that they've been illegally occupying since the I think the Six Days War, the Golan Heights, they take injured ISIS fighters and send them to Israeli hospitals, and then cure them and be like, hey, no more ISIS, you stay in in uh, in prison forever now. But they're like giving this healthcare to fucking ISIS people instead of like 15 year old Palestinians in Gaza. Well, I mean, if you don't get give that kind of uh, aid to fighters like that, how are you going to find the next Gal Gadot? Um, yeah, I mean, it's true. I mean, how how else are you going to have like Wonder Woman without doing that, without helping ISIS? Let's be honest. Wonder Woman is actually just ISIS propaganda. That's what I heard. <laughs> you heard it here first. It's true. <laughs> Uh, I've I've never had heard a more true fact. Um, <laughs> so I mean that's about it on the G twenty. Um, you know that was the big thing that came out of that meeting, at least. Uh, you know policy wise, it wasn't like they came out and said we're just going to be burning oil in the streets uh, as fast as we can because you know they can't say that kind of stuff. I'm sure they told the lizards and the that, but. <laughs> Yeah, and that meeting went so over time too. Like Melania, apparently after she like, after they like cleared the protesters from around the house, they were saying it because of course the Trumps didn't stay where everybody else did. Mm-hmm. Like they sent her in, and she couldn't get them to stop talking. Like as they they might have touched tips. I want to oh, be entirely right. clear about this. I believe that Trump and Putin might have touched tips. <laughs> I, I I I really. God. That's I kept getting that those news alerts as it was going on. It was just like, well, they haven't come out yet. Well, they haven't come out yet. Well, they haven't come out yet. Like this isn't news. <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of news. They they finally didn't have to. I mean, they're both giant, you know, iron-fisted morons. But yeah, but I mean, like part of why it went that long is because Trump didn't understand for the first thirty minutes that like they weren't going to talk in English. He didn't know what that Russian was a language or what a foreign language was, and so like they had to explain that to him before they could really properly start. So like if we kept that in mind before the meeting happened, we all would have known. Like yeah, this is true. Uh, <laughs> so moving on, the G twenty still going. Got a couple more yeah. days. Ivanka is sitting in for Donald Trump and anything that has to deal with women because it's not his job. He um, just grabs him by the pussy. He doesn't care about the rights. Uh, <clears throat> so back stateside, um, eighteen stutes or eighteen states have uh, launched a lawsuit against Betsy Davos. 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 I, I refuse to say her name correctly <laughs> because of how Betsy Bears will kill you at school. D- 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 devoted? I don't know. Yeah, you're right. It, it's, it's not a name. It's not a real it, name. It's all all really bad. So this lawsuit has to do with a uh, student protection put in place by the Obama administration. Um, was it last November that they put it in? Yeah, last November. Yeah, it was. It, yeah. And it was uh, supposed to take effect this month, and she said no. And it's called the Borrower Defense Rule. And essentially what it is is that, like, let's say for whatever reason, you know, you're you know, conscripted and you can't 
you know, use public transit to move anywhere. And so you have to go to, oh, I don't know, some fraudulent university, let's say made up name, Trump University. Um, <laughs> and you get a subprime loan with 300% interest and it requires your left foot to be held as collateral. And uh, essentially the bar defense rule was a way for those students to lobby uh, the government to step in on their behalf and uh, protect them from those kind of fraudulent loans uh, in the pursuit of education. And uh, Miss, Miss Betsy says, you know, students are dumb as fuck. They, they, don't, they don't need these kind of protections. It, they need... No if they were better... If they were better educated, they wouldn't have taken the bad loan for the fake university. Well, I mean, what she's really trying to say... Thinking is like, well, they're trying to get educated. <laughs> I think what, you know... It's kind of... The, the joke level of what she's saying is, well, poor people shouldn't be so dumb. But the real level of what she's saying is, well, poor people should still have to be poor. Yeah. Well, and, like, there's the... I mean, there's this general, like, concern that Romney, when he was running for president, said you should go... Like, you should get the college education you can afford and shit like that. And, like, the fact that these people are getting ripped off isn't a defense. They're like, no, no, you made the dumb decision to get ripped off. Which, like, that's not how getting ripped off works. And, like, the fact that she's basically saying you have to bear responsibility for the fact that somebody else committed a crime is so indicative of the fact that, like, this administration and, and the people involved in it really just hate poor people. Like, they don't – there's no other thinking about it other than, yeah, like, poor people should be poor. You're, you're totally right. Yeah, and it it's just so frustrating on okay, – because I, I, I love when I hear certain – capitalist moaning and groaning because it's like you realize school wasn't socialized at a certain point i mean that was a process that happened in america very specifically um because we i mean schools for a long time were not somewhere where people of color and women were allowed and were not yeah. welcome and they had to fight for that right and the government in a lot of ways, and the Supreme Court, you know, looked at the morals of this country, and, and, and I think that in some, you know, good decisions, I, I don't bemoan Brown versus Board, but they opened those things, and when they opened them as a government, they said, we will provide equal protections under the law for these people, and I think that, that is, you know, crucially important, but then it is just completely undermined when you have people like the Secretary of Education who's just ripping protections away from students, it, it is as if on one hand you're like, well, education is this really important thing that must be given and it should be you know, regulated in a certain way by the government except in any way that protects people. And so what we end up with is Common Core, which is not a good way to teach students, and it's not a good way to measure school success. But that's just what they end up with is, is a poor system, and they don't care to fix it because it allows them to further oppress and impoverish people. Yeah, and it lets them, you know, like, 
because this is a specifically for-profit university thing, it lets you know it, it lets companies open up business a business and then use the 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 structures in America that we have for paying for university to basically not only rip off these individuals but also rip off the government yeah, and to it, to like in a double move they take the money that the government puts up for these individuals so that they can go to school they take all that money they don't give anything to these individuals and then the individuals are responsible for it it's literally a form of looting like yeah. it's 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 the vandalism that the that the vandals did in Rome in the 400s when they showed up well, and and it just it just frustrates me so much when it's like well if we allow socialist policy making or you know even god forbid communist policy making it's like oh well you know people are lazy and they'll just steal it all like this theft is already going on like we were already yeah. being actively stolen from like the people doing that are the people are the capitalists the people stealing are the people who are supposedly not going to do that who are supposedly how we should base our economy and that's it's insane it's it, insane it, it's just it, it is so backwards and it it just frustrates me because it's like oh well capitalism i, I can i can in a theory understand the argument of well capital allows people to specialize specialization allows necessarily some more freedom but when your capital is bound in a system that organizes where it goes and where it comes from it, it's not free it's not it's not gold currency. It's not coins. It's not a good. It's just a piece of paper backed by a government that's printing more and lying about how much it has. Yeah. But anyway, I think that's enough national news. We're going to move on to some Oklahoma news. And Good old uh, Oklahoma. <laughs> the very first uh, thing on my list is uh, a big... Big, wonderful shout out to uh, my, well, not always, I move around in Oklahoma quite a bit, but my current uh, representative to uh, Congress, uh, one Mr. Mark Wayne Mullen, and you know, Mark District Wayne, two. Mark Wayne, he's a, he's a special kind of fella, he's a, he's a good, staunch Republican, Believes in taking from the poor to give to the rich, uh, lying, uh, general, you know, advocation of just evil and and and, and you know lizard and and, and 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 idiocy. Like this guy, if there is any person that has ever been a chud on the face of the planet, it is this guy. Well, he is I, such a chud. Like I, he. His whole story is his dad gets sick and then like he inherits running these businesses when he's 20 and then doesn't know that he like is getting more money from the government as a congressman than he pays in taxes. Like so so what you're referencing and I think that I think that is like that was where I wanted to jump in because Old Mark Wayne, he's been a he's been a good old boy from Oklahoma, making good old boy decisions for a while. And I, I you know, I got plenty of bones to pick with politicians in Oklahoma. But uh, last year, he or no, this was this year. Uh, he was at a town hall and yeah, made a wonderful statement that um, 
he pays so much in taxes through his businesses uh, that it negates his salary as a congressman and that he performs as a representative as a service. Uh, which, which is just a fucking lot. He gets $174,000 as his salary. He gets a subsidized place to stay in Washington, D.C. He gets, like, the best health care the country can offer. He gets free travel to Washington, D.C. and back. Like, But I think, I think on one hand, I mean, it speaks not only to his ignorance and his malevolence, but I also think it speaks to his worldview is that he's not – he doesn't believe he's getting a handout. He thinks he's already paid enough. And yeah. – he thinks he's working hard as this guy that like runs a plumbing company that he didn't build that he inherited and then like he thinks he's this super hard worker and that and that he deserves everything he has and that other people if they just worked hard you know they would be like him yeah and and, and not to discount i'm sure i'm sure you know what i'm sure he puts in hard hours and i'm sure he puts in long hours but you know what it's not a service this isn't this isn't something you've been – you're getting compensated for this and compensated in a major way. But yeah. the, the news that came out this week on, on, on uh, Mr. Mullen is that um, he had ran – run um, several years ago saying that he would only serve three terms. He would he'd just do three terms and that was it. This is the end of his third term. Um, he would be up for re-election in 2018. Um, and so on 4th of July, as you do, he posted an 11 minute video on social media and, uh, told everyone that after lots of thoughts and prayers with his wife, you know, he's going to go ahead and take that $174,000 again. He wasn't going to, but you know what? God sometimes he will. changes your decision making. And, and so it's that video that that video is so worth watching because at one point they're like we prayed a ton and then we decided we had to. And then they're like no God didn't tell us to. Like no we just made that decision ourselves but we did it by praying and like God made it obvious we have to because they were like we don't want to offend people or like make it look like we're like doing a cop out but also we just want the money. Yeah, that that's it. I mean and, and, and like on 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 one hand I Meditation is a great way to come to decision making and thinking about decisions is before you decide is a good thing to do. It's good. It's good. And on the other hand, like looking to a higher power, like, you know, if, if, if that's your predilection, that's your predilection. And I ain't going to tell you how to live your life. But if that has nothing to do with his decision. He wants to keep the power and keep the money and have no bothers to give about his constituency. He does not. Yeah, he he, he doesn't. People. And all he did, all he did, it was. I mean, it was cynical. Like it's obvious, it's like the brains behind this operation. But it's cynical, you know. If if you wanna believe in God and do all that stuff, it's up to you. Fine, good. But you can't say that you prayed and that's how you reached your decision. But that God didn't tell you to. Like you don't you, you don't get to have your cake and eat it too. And whenever you're using that, whenever you're using Christianity as an excuse to just screw over the people of eastern Oklahoma to not represent them in any way that benefits them materially, like, you know, it's it's just wrong. It's fundamentally wrong. Like, because what good has come out of his, his representation at, at, on Capitol Hill for them? Nothing. Not a single good thing has happened. But, but in his eyes, 
you know, he, like, and I can even see, you talk about, we talk about echo chambers every once in a while, and I can even see the echo chamber that is around, that must be around him, because I'm sure through his eyes, he's got more money than he's ever had in his life, his businesses are more successful than maybe even when he started, and, and, and he sees that rather than as a testament to him stacking the deck by being a politician in his own favor, he sees that as his hard work. And just not. Yeah, he's. Yeah, it's not what it is at all. And he even kind of knows it because he's like, you know, I want to run again. Like fundamentally why is because DC works based on relationships. You know people and then you're able to get stuff done. And like, I mean, that's also how he's he's getting ahead in this sense is that he's saying, oh, look at me and all these people because I was here and I'm this dirty Washington lizard now. And I'm going to benefit from knowing these people anyways. And then, he, and then he thinks that that's good for his district, but it's not because it's good for him. It's good for people like him, these business owners that are screwing over people in green country. But it's not, you know, it's, it's not good for anybody else. No. And he, he thinks that's just – he thinks that's what he's deserved. Yeah. And uh, it just I, – I, I, I so often get so frustrated because of the – massive hypocrisy that especially Republicans in this in Oklahoma uh, lay out because on one hand they run and like I just see the political ads and the political commentary uh oh dogs are freaking out but I see the political ads and the political commentary where it's like I'm a down to earth guy I'm a farmer I have a family my wife loves me my two daughters love me we have a white picket fence. I can be trusted. Also, Washington is about relationships, and I have made them with the seven-foot-tall Nordic aliens that live beneath <laughs> the White House, and they are now my primary source of information. And it's just like, so what are you? Are you a hometown guy who's putting your constituents first, or... Are you a hardened Washington insider? Yeah. You are you like some both. Nancy Pelosi person? Yeah. You get. You can't be both. And they and they run. They run like they're both. That's what they do. Yeah. Like it was in his house, and it looked like nice, and it was like, yeah, we live in the countryside, and like and my wife wears like crappy turquoise jewelry, like all the other suburban moms that live in congressional district too. Like, look at me. I'm just like you guys. But then he's not. No. He can't be if he makes that claim. No. So, moving past Mr. Mullen, because I could talk about him for hours and hours about just how angry I am. Um, I want to move on to an article written uh, in the Lost Ogle. Lost Ogle. I can never. I don't know how to pronounce anything. So Lost Ogle. I think. I think it's the Lost Ogle, right? So, um, Ogle is the name of family of journalists in Oklahoma and this is a not necessarily satirical but kind of a uh, funnier I guess uh, mm-hmm. journalist yeah. estab- journalistic establishment out of Oklahoma and so it's kind of a kind of a joke um, the Argos are on TV across Oklahoma and so um, this is kind of a, a, a play on that but um, Lewis Fowler is one of the writers for them, and he uh, wrote an article detailing a trip to a new supermarket in uh, Moore. 
uh, Moore, Oklahoma, just south of Oklahoma City. The, the capital of getting hit by tornadoes. Well, it just, for people who really believe in Christianity, it seems like God doesn't want anyone to live in Moore, and specifically in trailer parks in Moore. And, I, I, you know, I'd love to blame it on capitalists and terrible lawmakers forcing poor people to live in, like, bad conditions. But at a certain point, tornadoes are just nature, and you got to stay yeah. away. <laughs> it's like I don't build my house on, like, the side of a mountain that has avalanches because that seems like a bad plan. <laughs> Um, but he, he details a, a, a trip to – it's Winco Foods, and it's one of these – I mean, if, if you live in the States, and I, mean, I know that Mr. Roberts over there is uh, highfalutin going to his bodegas and getting his cigarettes from, you know, handmade producers. But here in the States, Fancy. They, they like to – Get a warehouse, stuff it full of food, staff it with two, maybe three people, pay them actually nothing. They don't they, they might actually require them to pay money to work for them. Um, <laughs> I'm and, sure they do. Like if they if they figured out that, they're they're doing it. That's what they're doing. Well, I mean I'm sure there's an art like sure you can sit there and go, well, See, we provide you insurance, and since the only way to get insurance in the U.S. is to be allied to the uh, uh, corporate body that gives it out in the war of insurance that's going on, you pay a small fee to do that. And hey, there's even a real argument to say that, you know what, or, organiz- or, uh, businesses that require you to buy uh, a uh, uniform or to pay for a serving or waiting license like are designed that way to keep poor people from being able to poor. get jobs. Yeah. Um, but, <clears throat> you know, Oklahoma is traditionally, I mean, you know, a farming state. Um, you know, while we have a lot of oil money and a lot of the money in the state comes from the um, – uh, air industry uh, and those kind of things through deregulation and allowing b- big business to flourish uh, at the expense of the population. But I mean, there's a lot of farmland, and there's been a historical, historically very great farmers markets and 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 an opportunity for something like uh, you know farm to table uh, to really flourish in Oklahoma and provide good, nutritious, cheap food to a population that doesn't have it and these kind of places uh i mean it's almost this dystopian view of the future where they lock all the food up at night and the people just stand out front and wait well yeah and it's so i mean it's really i know that he does this in like the the okc metro area but it's really crazy to read this story because it's like you know super poor, Aldi hasn't opened up near me, Aldi, interestingly enough, is German, and the German model is to just open a warehouse and, like, throw food in it and call it good. Um, but, like, these poor people fighting over access to food is one of the, like, most telling things about how Oklahoma, Oklahoma cities are set up, namely, like, Oklahoma City and Tulsa. Like, you have these areas where, 
There's too many food stores that are high quality, like Brookside from 41st to 36th Street has three fucking grocery stores, three, a Trader Joe's, a Reese's, and a Whole Foods, and then you just have to drive down to about 46th Street to get the Walmart neighborhood market, and then there's no grocery stores on the north side. You, you, go, you, you go far enough north and there's none, and it's the same in Oklahoma City, and poor people literally can't get food. Like, and, and not only that, but the food they can get is hyper-processed, <clears throat> white flour, white sugar, lard, and... I mean, it's not a mistake that those are, I mean, like, yeah, they're cheap to produce and we can produce, you know, white flour and white sugar like nobody's business because they're just chemicals. But it is also a part of keeping people fat and lazy and not allowing them opportunities to be a part of higher education and then taking all their money the second they get sick. And when they don't have the education to get a job to pay for their health care, then they just become latched onto the government. And then every Republican in the state goes, well, they should just work harder. They're yeah, they should a work product harder. of their environment. And it's like these people, you know, if, if you're living somewhere like this, like – Probably the closest food to you is at is at the gas station, right? And it's roller food or it's some fried chicken or something. Maybe maybe a McDonald's or Wendy's. And then you know, like you're you're working fifty or sixty hours a week, most likely, just to make. And, and you're probably still not making ends meet despite doing that. And then of course you don't have the time to go to the grocery store. You don't have the time to buy the good food. And like it's not just the worst process. It's not just like bad processed food. It's the worst kind of bad processed food you have access to in those situations. And then you go like they open up this grocery store and the guy's like, I want to shop here. I need to shop here for my wallet. But it's like we're in a cattle pen. Mm-hmm. Like it's literally not doable because so many people are here because they don't have access to basic food. Yeah. And like you said, it, it shouldn't be a thing in Oklahoma. You know, there is enough food production. The state is really varied in terms of the, the life it has, in terms of the, the geographic zones it matches up with. And it's it's just disgusting. And it, you know, like I said, and like you said, it, 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 in a state with such a rich agricultural tradition and history, it's really disgusting that we've outsourced, like not, I mean, just the production, but I mean, in terms of having jobs for people to do, it's like, we pretend like there's not, and it's like, well, we ship in all our food from God knows where. Yeah, from Iowa or some facilities. shit. Yeah, other processing facilities, and it's like, we could do that here. Yeah, we could we could get jobs by making the food we need to feed the people that don't have jobs right now, but it's not profitable. And so we, and so we, we don't do things that are good for the community. So to move from something that is profitable but is also not good for the community, uh, Oklahoma Watch, which is a really cool organization um, out of uh, OU's uh, Gaylord College of Journalism that I am a graduate from, and uh, they put out an article uh, on the 1st of July – Essentially, what the, the long and short of this article is that uh, oil wells in Oklahoma, uh, for the first four years, for the first three years, three years, um, yeah, they have a much lower tax rate 
than the lifespan of the well following that. So what that incentivizes is heavy use that first three years. Um, and like in the same article, like if you fucking read about this, it doesn't just incentivize heavy use. Like no matter what, with the kinds of wells that they are, these injection wells that are causing fucking earthquakes, by the way, and literally destroying the state of Oklahoma physically in that sense, or rather like processes associated with them are doing that. Something like 60% of the oil gets out of the well in those first three years, and then like 49% of the natural gas. Yeah. So more, more than half of the production capacity goes away in, in these first three years. Yeah. And, but not only that, but the, the way I... Way I you know, and then once it moves fast, they drop the tax or they raise the tax rate, and there's a much less to be taxed. Um, and and while that makes a little bit of sense in like, oh well, you want to, you know, but it's the deregulation, it's the incentivizing this oil trading and this oil resource exploitation with no benefit, not only to the consumer, but to the people of Oklahoma. I mean, the, you know, we have, and not only that, but it is, what it really incentivizes is building a well, using it as hard as you can, and the second the tax rate raises, just leaving it. Stopping just, it. Yeah, just letting it be a mass of steel and concrete embedded in the earth for kids to play on or whatever. Yeah, for methods to die on when they're trying to steal copper from it or something like that. Exactly. Or just poor people. And and and, and I think that's a really great point. I mean, not just you know methods, but when you when you impoverish a population, give them no recourse to uh, climb any social ladder, and then you leave plentiful resource like copper that can be sold very easily. Just laying in fields, and then you imprison these people and use their labor as prisoners because you've built a system that's made to do that. It's the entire yeah. reason it's there is to do that. And I mean, I think this thing with the walls is also like the logic. I remember hearing some Republican state representative or senator talking about it, and he's like, Yeah, you know, we just want to make sure that they drill here. And like, you don't get to choose, you know, this isn't like Google setting up some information center or something. You don't get to choose where you drill for oil. You drill where the fucking oil is. You can't take those jobs out of Oklahoma and move them somewhere else because you'd have to get the oil out of the ground first, put it in the ground somewhere else, and then dig it out there for that to function. And to say, oh, no, they're just not going to do it if, if we text them. Yes, they will, because the only way they can make money is getting it out of the fucking ground. Like, there's the, no harm in taxing them in that sense. And not only that, but I think it speaks to... Not only that, but I think it speaks to how taxation you know, should work. And that is that there should be an ability of a population, if they're going to allow for resources to be used, I mean, you know, there is a right, you know, if a person has... You know, you know, owns land and there's oil on it. Of course, they can get the oil and mineral rights to it, but at the same time, the general population. So much of this federal or not federal, but state-owned land, it needs to be taxed. And not only that, but in the private sector, it also needs to be taxed because these wells are still eyesores. They're still out there. There's still allocation of resources, and and, and they're literally causing earthquakes. Like they're causing negative externalities. 
Like Oklahoma used to not have earthquakes and we have like 4,000 earthquakes to California's 1,000 now because these new wells that aren't getting taxed require you to inject wastewater into the ground that causes earthquakes. So like people, people's homes are getting destroyed from this stuff that we are refusing to tax. It's like, that's, and that's what taxes should do. Say, you're going to do this here and you're going to have to pay for the problems you cause or, if you're going to do this. And, 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 and I, oh God. You know, I'd hate to ever say that, you know, we should have an ability to use taxes to further our societal goals, but just pay for the damage. I mean, we aren't even, I mean, we're literally, the, the legislature is incentivizing building more wells and not using them. Yeah. And not using them to the fullness of their capacity. And that, in and of itself, is waste. And... It just encourages more waste. And the thing is, we have this massive budget hole. All the other oil states don't have a budget hole like we have because tax this. So if oil prices drop because the oil market's volatile, like our income went away when it dropped because there was no more reason to produce. And now, you know, we we can't do anything other than than something like raise the fucking cigarette tax or, or the cigarette fee. Yeah. Which is something Fee. I really want to talk about. Yeah. yeah okay. I, this I, is this is all you. Um, yeah. I, I think that's a perfect segue into um, yeah the conservative reading list. Yeah. Oklahoma opinion conservative reading list, which is really hard to do because there aren't a lot of opinion articles in Oklahoma. Who um, but yeah, who would have guessed that a state with three point five million people does not have that much <laughs> in the way of newspapers? Um, but this guy, Wayne Green, wrote this article on, on June 11th of this year uh, called The Legislature's Best Accomplishment of the Year is Easy to Pick if It Lasts. And it's about how basically like Republicans and Democrats in Tulsa were like, well, the state legislator did jack shit this year, but we did one good thing. Yeah, the only good thing we can point to is that cigarettes cost a buck fifty more. And – this is insane, right? So the the state has this massive almost billion-dollar budget hole or something because we're not fucking taxing gas, right? Like we just said, because mm-hmm. we're not taxing the one thing that makes money in the state of Oklahoma. And so they were like, oh, what can we do? Okay, we'll, we'll raise taxes on cigarettes and – or rather make it a fee so that it's not going to be illegal because it didn't get like a three-fourths majority in the, in the state senate or mm-hmm. something. And so this guy's writing this article, and he's like, okay, it's a good thing, right? Higher taxes on cigarettes means less people smoke and, you know, helps the state get its budget, which already is questionable. Like, if less people are smoking, it's not doing its job of making money, right? Well, and I, I think that that's a really important piece of this, too, is that uh, it, it's, it's almost antithetical because they, they run it on one end where they're saying, um, you know, the higher tax rate's going to make people healthier. That's one of the things he said. In dealing with a need for money, the legislature found a way to make its citizens healthier and wealthier. But so what you're saying is, is that the people who are still buying the cigarettes are going to be paying more money. And they're going to continue to buy cigarettes. Yeah. Like, like cigarette addiction so you're is a medical problem. sicker and poorer. Yes. You're literally making people sicker and poorer. And, and like – 
cigarette smoking isn't something rich people in America do anymore. There's a there's a different article uh, from the Washington Post about how essentially like nowadays in America, like only poor people smoke and no money goes to helping those people stop smoking, right? Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't have had a problem with this if it was a buck fifty tax on cigarettes. It, to be fair, I do smoke, but I don't live in Oklahoma anymore. It doesn't affect me. Um, I quit six but, months ago, so I'm just yelling at the uh, not anti-smoking ads that uh, TSET and Oklahoma's Tobacco Stop initiatives put on television. I scream at them as they come on. Yeah. Yeah, because they're like, oh, we don't want to, like, make you feel bad about smoking, but we're going to make you feel bad about smoking. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, it's, it's, it's a shitty program. But if they were using this tax money to help people quit smoking instead of dealing with the fact that the state legislature is not able to do its job of producing the revenue necessary to pay its fucking bills, let alone help out society in Oklahoma, right? I would be so much less mad about this. But he talks about this, too, and he, what he does – is he says basically, oh, like you said, that quote about how, and this is right after that quote, in dealing with the need for money, the legislator found a way to make its citizens healthy and wealthier, and then he follows it with, to their shame, almost no Democrats supported the measure. They were holding out for a higher gross production tax rate, a worthy separate goal, but not sufficient reason to miss the chance to save young lives. But it is, (laughs) and it's so fucked up because now Republicans can say, Oh, we have the cigarette tax. It's a buy-in tax. You only do it if you choose to, air quotes around choose to, because the only people that buy cigarettes are addicted. Like this tax would not produce revenue if people weren't addicted to cigarettes. And the Democrats were saying, no, we need to do something that will actually fund Schools. our state. We need actual Rose. taxes. Healthcare. Like, like we need to deal with the fact that one in five Oklahoman children go to bed hungry. We need to deal with the fact that our bridges going to collapse tomorrow we need to deal with the fact that like our education our higher education is so expensive that the state doesn't even pay for 10 percent of it anymore and he's saying oh shame on the democrats because they wanted to do something that would actually make oklahoma a better place and it's it's just disgusting it's just hating poor people and, and 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 yeah exactly and it's not these aren't even left democrat these aren't even leftist this is a party that says it's centrist that is not focused on left politics at all no what they're focused on is saying maybe we should tax anyone like, yeah anyone. maybe may, maybe as a government we should have the revenue to like pay our bills maybe we should do that which is insane that the republicans are saying no nah, we should not be able to have the revenue to pay our bills but we should poor we should tax poor people to make sure we can pay some of them well like there is just worked harder i don't understand why aren't they, if they just harder? if they just stop smoking i <laughs> why don't they go buy the most expensive vape pen it's cool and you can go to tournaments with it where you wear fedoras and don't get laid so that's the problem with poor people is that they didn't spend like $500 on Amazon buying a vape pen that looks like a dragon penis. Like that, that, that is clearly why we should be able to tax smokers because they didn't do that. They, they made that choice. But yeah, this is indicative of so many problems in Oklahoma and indicative of the hypocritical nature of the government and the legislature here is that what they – like it, it's it's this line in this thing that makes the citizens healthier and wealthier. So what it's really saying, what that line really says is that the legislature found a way 
for people who don't smoke to feel better about themselves and for poor people who are addicted to be poor. Yeah, to to make those poor people have to live like they made those poor people into ex- negative externalities of the fact that the state legislature won't do its job. Yeah, exactly. And, and so that, like you said, precisely like you said, so that so that rich people can feel better about themselves. It's 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 the most disgusting and, thing. Inconceivably, pay less taxes because I mean, I like you yeah, know, like we were saying, it 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 really does. I mean, this was a measure that was implemented because of the massive hole that is in the Oklahoma budget right now, and I mean, filling it with any amount of money, even if it is a cigarette tax that is directly targeted at poor people it still is putting money in the hole that would have had to come from somewhere else i mean like you said they are not paying their bills and so any of that money the people it's making feel healthier not actually healthier but feel healthier and actually making the rich richer actually making the rich more wealthy well, and what they're going to do too, like a hundred percent, I this will happen. The oil market is going to get better for a couple of years. They're going to have tax revenue again. They're going to solve the problem, and then they're going to cut taxes based on the revenue coming from the cigarette tax. They're going to cut taxes on oil companies and rich people and property. They're going to say, "Oh yeah, no, we have this new source of revenue, and we can do away with another one that is actually doing something valuable for the community instead of making it harder to get out of." you know, I don't, I don't know, Purcell or something instead of making it harder for you to afford going to university or, or like buying your fucking food. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's going to be a good point for us to probably call it a day. Uh, Yep. I, uh, I'm refusing to use social media right now, except to talk to my co-host here. So I'm going to let him put this all out and work it on it all and we'll say like and follow and subscribe and if we get on itunes in the next week we'll put that uh oh we're we're on itunes i'll I'll link that in the the soundcloud account yeah we got approved that's awesome so you're gonna get up there and uh uh give us a rating uh five stars would be nice but hell give us one i'd just like to see that anyone's paying attention and uh yeah um uh, and I think one of the things that both of us are interested in doing with this is not just having interesting conversations, but having interesting conversations with Oklahomans. So any of our friends that are out there, um, any of you have, living in Oklahoma, not yeah. living in Oklahoma, as long as you're an Okie. Yeah. Uh, you know, shout out one to all of the wonderful Okies that we have uh, is a great, great, you know, for all the problems the state has, is it is a beautiful state and it is a beautiful place to live. And it's somewhere I deeply and passionately care about. Um, mm-hmm. and any of my friends that are out here in Oklahoma, um, I'm happy, to, you know, I want to hear what you guys want to give a shit about. I want to hear what, you know, the conversations you guys want to hear and the conversations that you guys want to be having. And on top of that, if you think that there is something that we, you know, we need to cover or you want to be a part of, uh, you know, we're, we're both art and culture snobs and we love it. And, you know, if you need, if you got poetry or reading or writing or a song or anything else that you want us to listen to or put on here. Like we're more than a fucking photo album. You want us to boost or something. You just let us know. It's all about lifting each other up and helping out a fellow man, uh, and fellow woman 
and the fellow everyone. So uh, the the fellow human. Thank you. <laughs> so yeah, we're uh, the only thing we're anti is alien, and that's just because they run the government. Yeah, uh, but so, thank you so much for listening, and uh, sayonara. Talk to you next time.